questions on college football to launch our probate weekly call. We do every Thursday for, if you get on early, by the way, come to the Zoom call, you can talk about whatever you want, but at four o'clock we're gonna launch this thing. We should talk about business. I'm Bill Gross, the LA probate expert, and we do probate weekly every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can watch it live, we live stream it onto YouTube and Facebook. If you want to come into Zoom, just register at probateweekly.com and get some information and let you in. And you can participate live, ask questions, uh, share victories, share defeats. Uh, I, I launched this program about three and a half years ago because I'm a practitioner. I'm not selling coaching. I do a little bit, a, a little bit. But basically, I'm a practitioner. I list and sell property, primarily in California, though I'm building a team nationally. I do this because I need to learn, I need to improve, I need colleagues to compete with to push me to do better this time, and that's why I do it. And so I would um, love to have you participate, love to have you come in the Zoom and ask questions. If you're watching on the recorded line on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to put comments there. I'll try to track those and ask them live as well. And we have a guest, but I don't see her yet. I know I texted her the um, access information, so we'll kind of get started. And once I saw your hand up, was that just to continue the conversation about football or you have something of a professional importance to talk about regarding real estate? Actually, we were going to pontificate about the, uh, the uh, positives of the SEC conference, but we can talk about Alabama later. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't, nobody, nobody in this call wants to talk about Alabama. I can assure you, Jack Lapidus doesn't, uh, Bob Knight from the, from the ATL doesn't want to talk about it, uh, uh, Alabama in a positive way. And we have ladies on the call, so we don't want to really go there. So, by the way, I just saw a video about Nick Saban that completely changed my view of him. I, I, I take back all the bad things I said about Nick Saban. He's actually a really nice person and very good to his players, both amazing the pro guy. level and the college. Level. Amazing coach, absolutely amazing. I mean, but not just as a coach, like as a person. Yeah, he's I would, an amazing I would agree. person. Yeah. And and I take back all the bad things I said about him since he left the Dolphins. Well, I was, you know, I lived in South Florida and I was a Dolphins fan, and uh, but. You know, I, I would say, I think his style, look, this is kind of the topic I'm going to talk about regarding probate business, but I would say his style didn't work well. And the circumstances of the Miami team at that time didn't work as well as working at Alabama does for him or working previously at LSU does did for him. And I think that that's, there's a lesson to be learned there. A lot of lessons to be learned there. One lesson is that you've got to find the way to do business that supports you. Even if you're loose, uh, Al, uh, Nick Saban, Lou Saban was his father. Even you're Nick Saban, you arguably the greatest college football coach in history, but one of the, no, no doubt, one of the best, you know, um, uh, wasn't successful in another environment, in another related field, pro football versus college. Well, why is that? Well, the lesson we learned for us is that we have to find the right fit for us, the right time for us, the right systems for us. And so in probate, the re one of the reasons I do this call is I find that some companies really sell hammers and tell everybody that you should spend three hours a day hammering nails, to use an analogy. And I, and I think that, not that I use any tools at all in my house, I have a son-in-law and a call handyman, but, but if I was used tools, uh, I know you're supposed to use the right tool for the job. And I would say probate, you know, I've, I've done uh, videos on different ways to make money in the business. I, I did one video, they're all on my YouTube channel, Bill Gross EXP is the YouTube channel. Uh, 11 ways to uh, list property, 11 ways to sell property, and 11 ways to 11 different businesses within probate real estate. And, you know, the truth is, that's 33. And the truth is, I probably can name about another 10 or 20 that really I didn't get into or break down those 11 each into 
in some cases, three, four, five different options. I'll give you an example. Today, our guest, I hope she's going to jump on here in a second, but I'll tee it up a little bit. Dina Braverman has a, a company where she helps organize houses, both before your house organized or after um, cleanup, you know, state sales and, and junk out and things like that. And you could make a living just networking with that professional niche. There's only so many in Southern California and not that they all, you know, know what pro the word probate means. Some do, some don't, but it's a, it's a numbers game and it's a business of contacting people and creating value for them such that when they have something, they call you as a resource. And the reason why I interviewed her when I did a year ago, and the reason why I brought her back on is not because I get a bunch of business from her, you know, in, in you know, full disclosure, I don't. Um, and, you know, number one, I, I want to help her build her business and it will work out for me. But two, more importantly, is I want to learn the mindset of a small business person and the mindset of somebody in a related field. How do they get business? How do they work with people? Because we're working with some of the same people. And all day long, I'm either talking to people to network or I'm talking to people to learn. That's how I built my business. Now, I found my channel, my lane that works for me. And for most of you, I really talked to you about what I do all day long every day. It wouldn't fit for you, the specific activities that I do. You, your job, your challenge is to find the specific lane for you. I'm glad to help answer some questions here. I'm glad to one-on-one, -on -one, you know, uh, have you reach out to me and uh, talk about um, uh, what, you know, some ideas on how I can help you find your path. And I'll just tell you guys that four years ago, almost exactly four years ago, um, I was on, um, I had to re reconfigure my business. I had been in management and consulting uh, for three or four years. I had done real well, made good money, but it wasn't where I wanted to end up my career. And I sat down and thought, what am I going to do the rest of my career? At the time, I was 60, and I figured I'd work another five years. I turned 64 this January, so you do the timeline. I have about another year and a half that I committed to working full-time. And I, and I came up with probate, why it fit me, but not just probate the genre. I designed a method. I used the whiteboard behind me, and I designed a, a method, a plan that worked for me, and I worked that plan. Part of that plan is to is really for me to know everything about that space and then to find the right path within it for me because I know the space. And so when I talk about what I do, I don't mean to say that's the best way or the right way or the only way, the opposite. I will say it's the right way for me based on results. And I will say it's worth your time to pay attention to because I think it will help you understand the right path for you to get there. So I hope that that's you know, how, we, how this is Sent, I see our guest is trying to get in. I just resent her the link. Let's see here. I think we got her in now. Hold on one second. But that's my plan, and is to bring in different vendors, different people who touch in our market. And I think of, I'm a real estate broker, so for me, the real estate is at the center of the circle, and then around are all the people who touch the real estate. There's the real estate agent, there's the investor wholesaler, there's the attorney. I've had on here the probate advance people. Uh, we've had on here um, insurance people. We've had on here junk out, adult care, senior care, senior living people. Um, anybody hits that circle from one of the angles, I want to have at least an understanding of what they do, how to relate to them, and the network with them, the ones that work with me, 
will work with me. The ones that don't, won't. Simple as that. Um, and so that's the purpose of this. Let's see here. Dina, is she getting on? I think I, I sent her the text. Okay, so she wants me to say, hold on one second. We're having a little technical issues. I should have sent this to her via email. Dina, like, wait a minute. Okay, so that's the thinking behind this is why, why do we have somebody here in a related field? And sometimes people come on the call and say, well, I thought this was about how to list property. It is. But part of listing property is networking. Part of listing property is learning what people are doing that is successful and taking those pieces and applying those pieces to your business. Um, okay, Gene says, is it worth becoming a real estate broker? Gene, are you asking, is it worth being, going from being a salesperson to broker? Or are you saying, as an investor, does it make sense to be a broker? And what I would say to you is, in general, I am a broker in terms of my license. I don't really use my brokerage. I, I'm, a, I'm a broker associate, I have been. I was independent one time, but I find it more effective to be affiliated, associated. Yeah, Gene, I don't think so. I don't think going from salesperson to broker for most people is effective because if you're gonna list property in particular, my belief is you're much better with a large company that has more resources and has more networking opportunities. From, my, from where I sit, I'm not, I don't know everything. And that's how I do business. So I don't see the benefit really of, the, of being the broker other than the satisfaction of learning, the satisfaction of being it, the prestige of saying I'm a broker, not a salesperson. What's that worth? I don't know. I would, if you offer me hundred bucks, I'd have to think about it. But um, uh, you know, I don't know there's any real value in going from an agent to broker. And Tasha says that you uh, learning is essential. You enjoy the Zooms. Thanks, Tasha. I appreciate that. So I hope you answered your question there. Um, okay, so Dina, I think she got the email. I think we're in here. Hold on one second. Sorry about the delays here. I, you know, I, there we go. And she is. And I'm really excited to have here somebody that I met uh, really about a year ago. And it turns out I swim as an adult swim team. And one of my swim colleagues says, you have got to uh, talked to Dina Braverman, and I said, well, why? She's a great lady, and she's kind of in a related business. And so uh, Mark, who I uh, have only seen naked, uh, I don't think I've ever seen him in the pool because he's a fast swimmer, I'm a slower swimmer. But when a naked guy says, you need to call David Bra uh, Dina Braverman, I called Dina Braverman, and we met and hit off and had a chance to learn about her business previously and invited her back. Dina, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Fantastic. So where, where do we see you today? You, you live in the Valley, right? I am in Encino. Encino. And um, so talk a little bit. I know, um, well, first of all, how do you describe your business? I know how I described it, but how do you describe, when people say, what do you do? What's your answer? We are professional organizers that specialize in helping people relocate and everything that that entails. And there's a lot of moving pieces with moving. So we handle everything from A to Z. We coordinate, we facilitate. Um, and our job is to help people move and alleviate some of the stress and overwhelm associated with moving. So, um, and how'd you get into this business? When you were a little girl playing with dolls, uh, somebody said, hey, you'd be a moving person. And you said, yeah, that sounds like it. Or how did uh, how'd this happen? This is such a long story, but I'll try to make it brief. Please. We I only have another from, 50, we only have another 47 minutes. <laughs> I came from the legal industry. I spent 30 years in the legal industry. And um, I decided to change 
occupations and didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I decided to go into organizing, but I started with offices because that's what I knew. I came from corporate America. Um, so I started there. And as I did that, we expanded to residential, which is everything from a mudroom to a linen closet to a garage and everything in between. I found that the, the reason people were typically hiring us was to get them ready for some kind of move, somebody moving in, somebody moving out, maybe they're moving to a smaller place. So when we expanded, relocations is where we really kind of found our niche market. And again, the reason why we did it is because it's all encompassing. So when you, when you move somebody, there's a lot of downsizing and decluttering. There's a lot of moving, packing and unpacking. There's a lot of clearing. And at the end of the day, all of that stuff are things that people want to sell. They don't want to just give it away if they don't have to. So we do estate sales as well. Again, it's all encompassing. There's so many moving pieces when people are moving. Um, and that's how we got involved. It just kept on snowballing and growing. And it just became this full service business. So from a service area, where do you service? Is it limited or do you go all over? Or what, what areas do you service? Uh, mostly Southern California. So um, Palm Springs is, is included, say, you know, um, Orange <laughs> County. Um, um, we service all of LA, uh, San Gabriel Valley, Ventura County. Um, you know, we go as far as our clients need us to go. Of course, you know, there's expenses involved in that, but for the most part, we'll go wherever. And if they move and they are moving out of state and they want us to go with them, we will also do that. Wow. And that happens a lot. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, let's talk a little bit about, and again, I think part of the, the, the reason that I like chatting with you is I learned so much about some of the same people I'm doing business with at different stages of it. What percentage of the people you work with are moving versus they're no longer there and somebody's inherited and you're moving the remnants out or you're moving the pieces out? What percentage of it is? I'm going to say about 30% of my business is dealing with estates, meaning the houses are vacant due to people um, having passed on um, and or moving into skilled nursing. Because if they're, if people are moving into assisted living, for instance, they're still going to take most of their items with them, most of their belongings. If they're moving into a board and care or they're moving into skilled nursing or they're moving overseas, those are the times when other than people passing away that people are getting rid of almost everything. And do you find that that percentage is increasing, the, the skilled nursing of that by percentage, or just it's all kind of the same? And it's all kind of the same. I find that since the start of COVID, which is really my mark, is people are moving in and out of assisted living. Uh, they moved in before COVID. They were feeling very trapped and very isolated during COVID, so they moved out during COVID. Now they're moving back in. <laughs> I mean, it's just bouncing back and forth. Uh, a lot of them moved in, in with family, you know, during COVID so they wouldn't have to be alone. And now time has come where they're ready to go back. The facilities, the communities are more open. So they're more comfortable going back. And I feel that everybody feels like it's the new normal. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of moving back and forth. <laughs> and a lot of people are moving to Texas. 
A lot. A lot of my friends moved to Texas. Yeah. You know, I used to say my best friend moved to you know, one moved to Florida. So then my then my next best friend moved to Tennessee. Then my next best friend moved. To, I keep talking about my best friend moved someplace, but really it's about three or four best friends now. It's the latest one. So is is your business predicated more on referring of the 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 individual person moving and or their family, or is it more professional relationship with the skilled nursing facility or realtors or other attorneys or other people? It's an interesting question. Um, all of my business is word of mail, all of it. I don't do right. any advertising. Most of my business will come from obviously happy clients, you know, friends, family, and, right. and clients. Uh, but the professionals that typically refer for my services are fiduciaries, probate um, estate planning attorneys, divorce attorneys, believe it or not, because that involves a lot of moving, selling of a house, mm. and, and dividing mm. property. Um, CPAs, you know, and, and, and real estate agents are pretty much number one. Really? Yeah. That's true for the real estate agents. Yeah. The real estate agents are the, the number one referral source for me because they're the ones that want to help their clients get moved out of their houses. And sometimes when somebody has been living in their house for 40, 50, 60 years, the thought of moving, even though they have to or want to, is daunting. So they might not do it if there's not somebody like me to help them through it. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. You know, I tell real estate agents this all the time. You know, we we don't understand why somebody doesn't just sign the listing agreement, sell the property, and move on with their life. And and I say, you know, to be honest, I I tell my wife all the time. I went to move to Florida. Uh, we, we we met and used to live in Boca Raton, Florida, which I loved. We moved here for family. It's been great. Uh, we're not moving anywhere because my, my grandson lives four blocks from our house. But I, I all the time say I like to move. And, and if ever she said yes, I tell her, we'll, we'll just run out the door to the airport and we'll figure out the stuff later. I mean, I'll call you and you'll handle that for me. Right. But the truth is, the prospect of having to move stuff is so daunting. It that is. When I'm real and think about it, there's no way I'm going anywhere for a while. I mean, I, 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 would, I don't know what to think about to prepare to move. If I wanted to, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of stuff. And that's why less is more. You know, we hear about yeah. all these people that are, uh, you know, being affected by these fires and floods and earthquakes and hurricanes and all their stuff is ruined and destroyed and gone. And if they had less, they'd have less to worry about. And I'm not saying that it didn't have value, but there's a lot of stuff that doesn't have value. You know, I'm not saying that if you move that you shouldn't take your family pictures and your memorabilia and your family, you know, the things that mean something, the sentimental stuff. But at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. It is just stuff. And we have to cull through what's really important. My job is to help my clients figure that out, help them realize what's important and what's not. When you're moving from 3,000 square feet and more, to 1,000 suite and less, uh, you know, there's a lot of decisions to be made. And when people are stuck because of sentimental value or because they think that something is worth a fortune, that they paid something, they paid a fortune for it years ago and they, they feel that they can't get their money for it now, they'll hold on to it. Why? What's the point? If it's not going to be worth that now, it's not going to be worth that later. So it, I have to deal with that. I have to you know, navigate that. And I'm real organized. I have no paper. My desk, if you saw, was perfectly clean. I have nothing but keyboard and, and mouse and phone charger and 
water and a camera. That's yeah. Right. And I'm pretty organized, right? I, I, I kind of live uh, the um, life changing magic of tidying up by uh, Marie, uh, Marie Kondo. Kondo. Amazing book, life changing book. Everybody should read the book. But still, just the stuff I do have still, it's just, still a lot. this office I'm in for the longest time, I want to get a new desk. I want to get a bigger, wider desk. Just be Don't do it. I'm going to. I have to. Don't do it. Why? Because the bigger it is, the more space you're going to use. We, as humans, will use all the vertical and horizontal space that we have available. But, okay, that I hear that. But I, I need, I mean, this is, uh, it's a stand-up, and it, it's a, I need a little more to be able to do the things I, I, I should do. I'm, I'm balancing things sometimes, and uh, I need a wider and a bigger. Anyhow. Yikes. So, the prospect of doing that, <laughs> I say that, and I want to redo the, like the background there. That's that's my real real self. Is I really, anyhow, I want to do some remodeling and, and, and upgrade and fix some things. But the truth is, I have to get rid of what I have in order to make room for what I want to buy. You and do. I haven't done that going to. So, so there's so, that old saying, you know, one in, one out. If you buy something, yes. you get rid of some the same thing that's damaged or destroyed or broken or unnecessary or you never liked it. One in, one out. Yeah, I, I mean, 100%. And I, I think that, um, and I've gotten down to so little stuff compared to what we used to have, but even still, it's way, way too much. We can get by, somebody asked what's the book. I'll put the link for Amazon, but it's The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. The so Japanese Art of Decoding. But, but here's the thing, Bill. I hear what you're saying, and I think Marie Kondo's fantastic. And I think her husband, who did her marketing, was, was a superstar, because that actually really rose to fame. The problem is, if you really implement her her theories of organizing, the average person can't afford it. Because if you were to go through every item in your house and ask out loud or to yourself if you loved it, it would take you forever. And if you're hiring somebody like me, it's going to be very expensive. In right. Japan, it's easier because they don't have as much consumerism. They don't have this kind right. of storage space that we have. They don't live like right. we do. So when you come to America, her theories, her, her, they don't translate. They just don't. Well, I, I, look, you're, you're professionals field. What I got out of it, I got those procedures. I know I'm not going to do all that. What I will say is there is a recognition that I'm throwing out something that I should appreciate. I'm getting rid of it or I'm, or I'm donating it to uh, Goodwill or whatever. You know, I, 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 I'm a voracious book reader. I, buy, I go through about a book or two a month, every month for the last 20, 30 years. We're constantly taking books to Goodwill. But to stop and say, hey, I appreciate it. I don't want it in my house anymore. But thank you for this book. Thank you, God, for this book. It, we should be appreciative of things we have. I just don't think you need to keep them in your That's house. Right. <laughs> and, and interestingly enough, in my, in my years of doing this, the most, the most clutter that we see day after day in every single scenario are people's books. They have the most, my clients, and there are many, have the most trouble get rid of, getting rid of their books than anything else. They love their books. I moved a guy to New Jersey who had two pods filled with books. There were over 2,000 books. And he had those pods filled for two years. That's wow. how long it took him to empty them to go through them. Wow. Books are a big thing. And I will tell you also, there's another theory out there. It's called Swedish death cleaning. And it's popular overseas. And that the theory of that is when you hit the age of 65, instead of bringing things in, you start giving things away. So instead of waiting till you die, 
um, to give your children and grandchildren and, and heirs your stuff. Give them your stuff now. Watch them enjoy it. Um, wow. And that includes, you know, family heirlooms. You know, stop buying stuff, stop bringing it in, and stop giving it to the people you love. Wow. Yeah, it's just another way of thinking about it, really. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm a 60, I turned 64 in January, so that age <laughs> is getting real. But um, I don't think I have so much that I would give to anybody, but the idea of, of getting rid of stuff now certainly makes sense. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take a look at that book. because that's. I like think I think that the, the it became popular because there's so many baby boomers right now. I mean, we're the biggest pop, we are the biggest population. And so, you know, we're leaving a bunch of stuff to our kids. And I walk into my client's house all the time and I, I say to them, do me a favor. If you can't get rid of this, give my brochure to your attorney or put it with your will because your children are going to need my information one day. If you intend on not doing this and leaving this to your children to figure out, at least give them a contact. Right. Because it's yeah. a lot of stuff to leave behind. It's a big burden. It's very expensive. It's time consuming at a time when they don't want to be thinking about that. They're mourning. They're, they're, they're busy, they're devastated, and there's a lot of stuff coming at them. And what I find is people don't spend the time to really mourn initially, and they kind of mourn on the piecemeal when these decisions come up. It could be a year later, five years later, and they've never really spent the time to feel the pain of the loss of the parent or whoever, and now they're having to go through their stuff, and that's when these emotions come up and they don't understand what they are. Um, but I, but you know, I'm a little sensitive to that because I've lost both my parents. My wife has lost both her parents. We've been through that. You know, being a little older, we see more of that. But very much so, people uh, emotionally are really attached to things because they have not, you know, let go of the person that they lost. Also, and you know, it's really kind of difficult. And right now, I, I'm seeing this a lot is that, you know, in California, I can't speak to another state, but I can say in California that the real estate market is such that there's very low inventory. So, and, and interest rates are rising, right? Every, everything is more expensive. Mortgage rates are higher. I have many clients who are on hold right now, not being able to sell their homes because their parents have passed on, the last parent, the last surviving parent. They now have to go through the house. And because they're busy with their life, their jobs, their children, they don't have the time and they're not emotionally ready to let go. So they've held on to this property. They're paying mortgage. They're paying property taxes. Some of them paying uh, homeowners association fees, utilities, maintenance on these properties that really could be put on the market if they had somebody like us to help them through it, to get this stuff done for them. We're not in there to just get rid of everything. That's not our motto. That's not our, that's not our goal. Our goal is to help them figure out what is necessary to keep. Or and and donate things. You know, I know. Look, I, I, I'm with you 100. I think I've had customers who I just said, you know, listen, um, I can I can handle all this for you. I mean, I can, I have somebody who will go through and organize, and 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 there are things that have real value. Uh, we had one particular state where the um, decedent uh, played violin. Was very you know wasn't professional, but was very high end amateur violin. Played at at the uh, Dorothy Chandler. I mean, really played you know some legitimate violin. And had a beautiful piece of musical instrument that you know we knew the family would would benefit, and rather than sell that, we donated it to a high school here. Uh, Hamilton High has a very popular um, like arts program, and so now the legacy of that 
person is the violin that's in their in the charts program. But sometimes, you know, they didn't think of it. They didn't really know what to do. And and I think by just kind of taking over and saying, well, you know, we can either sell everything and maximize revenue, or we can just get rid of everything and make it quick, or we can also try to look for opportunities for benefit for you and your family, organize photos, organize what seems to be heirlooms and collectibles. Um, but you have to trust somebody to do that for you, I think. Absolutely. So a lot of the time, most of the time, what we do is we have a three-step process and it usually does not change from job to job or situation. It's, it's across the board. We figure out what we can sell because we do estate sales, right? So we figure out what we can sell. If we can't sell it, we'll donate it. If we can't donate it, we'll throw it away. We'll do so responsibly so it doesn't all fit in, you know, go into landfill. But we, you know, we, we separate the metal from the trash, from the paper. We do that. But more, more importantly, with the donations, we don't just dump it off at Goodwill. We'll take, small, you know, old cell phones or small, um, uh, you know, like CD players and stuff like that, and we'll ship them overseas to our vets. We'll mm -hmm. take towels and pillows and we'll bring them to pet shelters. We'll take expired food from a year or less to Sova, which is a food bank. We'll take certain clothing to Goodwill, of course, but anything that can be used to go on an interview, we have professional associations, nonprofits that we donate to so that people who need to go on an interview have clothing that they can choose from in uh -huh. all different sizes, all different shapes, all different, you know, uh, all different situations, ties, belts, pants, you know, men's, women's, clothing, women's, shoes, accessories. And so we really do try to donate respectfully, responsibly, so that everybody benefits. And the clients get the donation receipts, so they get the write-off, and everybody's happy, you know. So it's, 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 it's a lot. So if you were to evaluate your business, if, if, I, if I kind of step back from the, the, the service you give and look at just as a business person, kind of cold callous, dollars and cents, how much of your success in your business is technical skills and experience and how much is the emotional um, learning you've done over time with people and how to give people kind of space? Um, I think it's a combination of everything, it, all of the above, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's managing client expectations. You know, I, you can tell I'm from New York. And I have you know, no way this accent. I think from Alabama or Mississippi. <laughs> wow. Okay. And I literally just got home two days ago. So my accent's probably quite thick. But and for the very, you should notice, she says you got home two days ago. She's in Encino. She grew up in New York, but she still refers to New York as home. Just, just that's how New York, real New York. I is know. Go ahead. Go anyway, ahead. I'm now home, home, <laughs> but you know, it's managing client expectations. It's personality. It's availability, it's price point, it's specialty. You know, there are a lot of other specialties out there and there are other organizers that do have their niche markets and other things. I mean, there are people out there that only deal with photos and, and transferring photos and slides and, and all those kinds of, you know, family memorabilia onto hard drives and, and, and disks or what have you. I have somebody on my team that does that, but there are organizers out there that that's all they do. Right. Um, there are people out there that all they do is, is digital, only works with computers, phones, tablets. So, you know, for me, I think it's the services that we offer, 
the personalities that were able to to service our clients. I have 10 people that work with me. And when I get a client after speaking with them and consulting with them, I know who's going to be a best fit for them. I know who to send. I know what's going to work and what's not going to work. I know that if it's somebody who needs a lot of time, I'm not that person. <laughs> you know, I'm not as patient as one of my other colleagues. So I have to make it fit, you know, and I have to know how many people to send on a job, how, you know, how to do this most efficiently. Right. So every situation is different. On the call, we have Jack Lapius, who's a, a local to you attorney, but he also collects Apple products in particular and donates. So Jack, Jack and you should kind of get together, I think, and share info. Um, uh, he'd, he'd be a resource for you, and I think also you could be a resource for him. So you collect, he collects old uh, Apple products too? I, yeah, I, I, collect, I collect, I have every iPhone from the beginning all the way through about the 12, 13. Um, I have, sitting behind me, I have four mid 2000s. MacBooks, but I have um, original Mac. I have a Mac SE. I have all the iMacs. I have I have a, a lime green. Um, wow! IMac, you should you know, send me your information. I what can't has? tell you how many old computers I have thrown away. Yeah, you guys should connect up. Definitely. I know yeah, you're not if it has an Apple logo on it, I'll take it. Okay, send me your information. I'd be happy to to get that to you. And I've seen his text enough times to say anything, including the equipment, the cables, the dongles, or this, or that, anything with Apple logo on it, he'll take. So I know that that advertiser by now. Wow. Okay. Because we get rid of a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. I put my info in the chat. Is that good? Perfect. He's also it. a great attorney for, you know, I, I literally referred a client to him this week um, that I followed up on. Um, but uh, great attorney, great resource to know, uh, particularly anything where there's, I guess more business litigation is your specialty. Um, Actually, most of what I do, if I really boil it down, are residential neighbor disputes. And then everything kind of expands from there. So you share trees, share driveways, share fences, share uh, property lines, easements, noise complaints, things like that. So, so those are real estate disputes, and then Apple products are the other thing he did. That's his, his main business. Apple uh, products, then, and the cords as well? Yeah, anything that anything with an Apple logo. Look in the chat. I just put my little. Oh my goodness! Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anything with an Apple logo on it, I will gladly take it off your hands, and you will never have to worry about it again. And um, I, th the first thing I do with anything I get that works that has a hard drive is I erase it, because as I tell people, it's okay for you to have a picture of your four-year-old daughter in the bath. It's not okay for me to have a picture of your four-year-old daughter in the bath, <laughs> and I have a law license to worry about. <laughs> that's a good one yeah you know it's funny my daughter will send me pictures of my grandson which i'm glad to have but i think i would say you're sending me kitty porn if they don't know this is my own grandson I'm, I'm in trouble here so um look and i think that, that this is uh this is the purpose of this call is to is to network if you're watching the call feel free to put in your name uh if you're a real estate agent or investor or whatever else you do your contact info let's network together and do some business together I met Jack on this call years ago, and you know we've done some business together and love to do more with him and other people. So please participate. And this call is meant to be participative. So if you have questions for Dina, either put in the chat box, you know, ideally put it the letter Q before so I don't miss it. And or if you want to raise your hand, or if you're brave enough, just unmute yourself and jump in family style, that's fine. I did see a question from Bob, which is one that I was going to get to, which is how do you price your services? So anything, 
anything sales related is commission based. So a typical uh, traditional estate sale is a 40, 60% split. We get 40, our clients get 60. Anything, but there's also virtual estate sales and that's a, a new kind of way of, of sales. It's an online auction and that's a sliding scale. It's like the first 5,000, you get this, the second 2,000, you get that. And it's a, it's a contract from a third party out of Canada that we work with. I'm not really, I'm not well versed in their fees, but you can read about their fees. But there is a $750 fee up front to utilize their services because they host the sale and they you're using their portal and their contact list to for the auction. Um, so anything sales-based is commission-based. Um, and then we charge hourly. And this is the example I want to give. I don't know how long it's going to take. We do have a four-hour minimum, but I never know how long a job is going to take until I work with a client. Everybody's different. Everybody needs, I'm going to give you an example. If I said to you, hey, Bill, what do you want to do with this pen? And you said, oh my goodness, it's a pen, just donate it or throw it away. But there might be somebody out there, and it has happened, where I ask them what they want to do with a particular pen, and they say, Oh my goodness, I've been looking for that pen. My grandfather wrote his first novel and now my grandson is expressing an interest in writing and I really want to package that up and perhaps I will give it to him for Christmas. So let's put that aside and I'm going to offer that as a gift. And if he doesn't want it, then we'll donate it next year. Now we're talking about a pen for a minute. That's a long time when there's thousands of items in someone's house. Right. So it takes time, it's a process. We charge hourly, we try to move it along, try to get the job done. We remind people that they're on the clock and not to, and to minimize their distractions. I've had people get up and go walk the dog for 20 minutes while I'm on the clock. I've had people take a shower while I'm on the clock. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say, Excuse me, I have to, I'll be right back. And a half hour later they show up and they're out of the shower. Listen, and they know they're on the clock, but people have different ways of dealing with things. So the faster they move, the faster we move. Uh, that said, right now, uh, the fee for me is 100 an hour. The fee for my assistance is 90 per person per hour. We will be raising rates in January. I think the shower thing was a pickup line. That's just my being <laughs> guy. That's just kind of where my head goes. So, you can't um, believe the crazy stuff that people do. Oh, no. I'm in real estate. I'm pretty much up on most crazy stuff that people do. It's crazy. Do. So, so that's why we charge hourly. We really have to. There's no other way to do this. So again, any questions, feel free to raise your hand and or put the chat box here. Um, so Dana, when you, you deal with different professionals, you said a lot of your piece of business, a lot of your business comes from real estate agents in particular. When you see people who are successful versus not, what are the common traits? If you were to coach real estate agents on what they should either avoid be, not being or should strive to be, what would you say? So repeat that question. You must work, you work with a number of real estate agents, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so my question is, you work with some that you realize, oh, this guy just doesn't know what he's doing. And you, you work with others that obviously are successful and have a track record with you. What, what are the things that you see consistently among those who are successful? What characteristics? Or what would you advise somebody who is struggling to be better at their business if you were going to coach a real estate agent? So, you know, good questions, Bill. Um, yes. Maybe that's why you have this podcast. Um, so I find that the real estate one trait that I that I think is does not serve a real estate agent well. Let's put it that way, mm -hmm. 
is when they become the end all be all for their clients. In other words, I have I have worked with and let go of several real estate agents who feel the need to be very hands on. So they're basically doing a job that I would typically do and get paid for, but they're doing it, not getting paid for it, and really kind of um, not doing an efficient job. And then when I come in, I'm basically just redoing or undoing what they've done, which makes it kind of worse. It takes more time that way because you've got too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. So I find that, you know, we all, we need to stick with what we know best. And I think that the, the ones that I don't really like to work with are the ones that are micromanaging and feeling like they should be doing it or involved. If you know- and That's true in every aspect of the transaction. The, professionals. The, the same real estate agents are the ones who get very involved in the details, the contracts, in areas they don't really know, it, it, yeah. getting out of their lane. That's so interesting that that's your, and so- um, Well, it's not efficient. So not efficient, but also is, is not pleasant to be with. Nobody wants to work with somebody who's micromanaging them, right. especially if they don't need to be micromanaged, right? right. People usually give people principles and guidelines and then make sure they stay within those guidelines. So if a real estate agent calls me and says, listen, I'm going to be the liaison between you and my clients, I will say absolutely not. Client has to know what's going on. It's their money. It's their possessions. It, they must be involved. Even if they're elderly, it could be minimal or their children can get involved, but it must, I must have communication with the owner and or heirs or power of attorney. So the negative to avoid is being too, is being micromanaging and, and not delegating to the professionals the piece. Yeah. What's a positive trait? What's something you see that great role, like you go, wow, that guy's really on his game or that woman's really on her game. What are some of the positive one or two things that you see that successful people have consistently? I think being, you know, being smart enough and savvy enough to know that there's resources out there that you can utilize and knowing who those are, you know, having vetted them, making sure that they're bonded, that they're insured, that they have a good reputation, that, you know, they're respectful and honorable and ethical. Those are the real estate agents who have these, this book or this list of resources that they can use and trust and let them do their thing. And, you know, these are people who have been in the business a long time and just know what it takes to get the properties. I also see, you know, people who will tell me they're real estate agents and they do the state sales and they do auctions and they do this. It's a conflict. And, and like, well, even that's another issue, conflict. How about how many different things in life can you do well? Right. Like, you know, I used to do loans and real estate. And I realized I couldn't be great at both. I could be very good at both. But all the rewards in life come from being great at what you do. And so, and frankly, there's certain property I don't sell. I try to stay in my lane. Right. Because when I'm there, I do really well. I can, pay, I can command a great fee and get paid for my time per hour. When I get out of it, it's where the problem is. And so the last right. thing I would do is tell you how to sell property. I mean, a personal property. So it's really interesting. You know, there's this one thing that I learned while I was networking. When I start, first started this business like 13 years ago, I went to a networking group and a gentleman stood up and told the group that he was a chiropractor. And he said, and um, I also sell, I think it was something like Mary Kay Cosmetics. Right. And I thought, why would I do business? Why would I want to go to that chiropractor? If he's not making enough money, Correct. well enough to support himself with his main occupation, Correct. I'm not going to do that. I might buy Mary Kay from him, but I'm not going to let him adjust my body. So. If somebody's really good, they do what they do. 
I agree 100%. The definition, if you have to do three or four things, that means you don't do any of them particularly well. That's exactly right. I, you know, uh, it doesn't mean that you can't do other things to service your clients, like being a notary, I guess. You can't the, do any the very insulting jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Speaking, spoken Agreed. from a jack of one trade, hopefully, and a master of that trade. Agreed, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 100%. And with attorneys, I have to say that, um, you know, one of, the, one of the theses of my business is that 90% of cases in L.A. County are done by attorneys who've done one probate case or less in the last 12 months. Well, how can you do a good job when you only do one a year in anything, right? There's just, there's just no way. It's just impossible to be proficient at it. And that's why so many of the cases are messed up. Um, whereas when you deal with somebody who's an expert, like they know the game, they know the, they got exactly. the player, they got the vendors, they got the, they have you on speed dial. Like they have everybody down. It's like, get out of the way. They're they're and, and hopefully they're calling me with the listings. Right. That's the person we want, we all should strive to be is that right. person. You don't want to hire an attorney who's doing personal injury and tax law. No, 100% right? There's no. There's a reason that there are different attorneys for different things. And, yeah. you know, a generalist is going to be, you're going to, you, you get what you pay for. I think that, you know, it might be a big firm that has different departments. That's different. Absolutely. I, and I know some attorneys do probate, probate administration and estate planning and say, well, I'm better at all three because I do all three. And someday I say I only do one of those because I specialize. And I think both those are valid. But much outside that circle, you're not getting a specialist anymore. Now you're getting a generalist. Right. I, agree. I go to a, a networking meeting for lawyers and we go around the room and we say what we do. And I, I love every meeting. There's at least one guy who says, I specialize in everything, which means you specialize in nothing. You know, and, and like I'm in a very, I'm in a niche. My, I have a very narrow thing, and there's a lot of attorneys, especially nowadays, because you got you got to be really careful. Um, and I think with real estate agents, it's becoming more and more like that as well. You know, buyers, sellers, probate, um, selling, buying and selling with the elderly or the first-time buyers, and and it, you know, I see a lot of that in the real estate groups I go to as well. A hundred percent. Look, I have I have clients who have helped them buy property and they flip it, and I don't do the sale because they need a different service or they want a different service, and I'm going to give them. On that particular listing on the on the back end, so I think th and that's why I've done well and I've stayed in within those lanes. So thanks, thanks, Jack. Um, okay, a couple quick questions here, and then we're gonna have to move towards wrap up. Uh, question from iPhone. Um, so I put back in the the information on the book, Swedish Death Cleaning. I'm, I have that on my Amazon list. I'm gonna get that. Um, Shazi asked, "What area you service?" I think just to repeat, you do most Southern California. You charge by the hour, so drive time by from Encino has to factor in. Somebody asked, we do Northern, North Car uh, Northern California. I think the answer is yes, but you're going to charge per hour for the time, right? Well, you know, we also have to, I'm sorry, that's my uh, spam. It's my, my junk calls. Um, yes, you know, we, again, we travel anywhere. Um, and we also have people that we can refer you to up in the Northern California area, if you're so inclined. But, you know, call me and depending on what your situation is, is depending on who I might refer you to. And if you wanted me, yes, we'd have to work out the logistics of that, but I'm totally willing to do it. Last year I was in Pittsburgh for two weeks. It was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of times we go with our clients because we've been working with them for so long, facilitating and coordinating, sometimes working with people for three, four months that they say, you know what, we want you to come with us to unpack us no matter where we go. So we go to Vegas, we've been to Oregon, we've been all over. Yeah. Very nice. 
I see a lot of people in the chat are asking me for information, but I'm trying to pay attention to you. So at some right. point, will you share my information so that they can reach out if they want to? Yes, but I think I did. If you're getting private chats I, in the main chat, I think it's because they're so anxious to hear from you that I keep putting it in and then they, they scroll past that. But Adina's phone number and email uh, and website are in the chat for everybody to see. I'll put it in right now real quick. Uh, Dina Braverman, organizingconceptsanddesign.com and designs with an s.com and uh, her phone number if you go to the website the phone number 310-560-5060 so and I put that in the chat box again for those I don't want to be rude to the people who are chatting but I can't concentrate on you and (laughs) good I'm I'm the important one so thank you very much (laughs) so Matt I know I've talked to Matt before does auctions and real estate and and I think you know Matt I, I don't necessarily would say I don't think Dina's point was that everybody who does those two things are by definition in conflict I think in general, when you do four or five things, you don't do anything particularly well. I know that you are very active in auctions, you're very active in real estate, and I'm sure you've figured out how to make those two work in your market area. Um, you want to explain, you, know, you want to share that a little bit or, or comment on that a little bit? Yeah, the the, the auctions and estate, stale, estate sale stuff, the, those that's just personal property. And then when we have somebody who needs to downsize or something like that, we give them the option to either to do a traditional sale or sell it by auction. I don't see that there's a conflict in doing any of that. Now, if they wanted to do 500 different things, that's all fine and dandy. But we give them, you know, when you do real estate, you have a sheet that says this is this is a list of all the particular uh, uh, vendors that you could probably pick from if you wanted to go ahead and have a clean out service come in after we go in and take a look at seeing what's marketable and what's not. Right. But I, you, you can't tell me that there is a conflict of interest. I've been president of the auctioneers association and i'm I'm working toward the president of the the uh uh, one of the local mls uh, groups here and there's no conflict the only conflict we have is people who are trying to do that kind of stuff who don't have any clue what they're doing right or they're trying to have an auction without having a license well i think where the where the we've all i've seen the conflict is where like for example i come in as a consultant to the family and so I can I can refer them to somebody to handle the personal property because I'm not going to do it. Once you have that fiduciary role with a client, you can't then turn around and say, "Oh yeah, I can do that for you. and I'm going to get paid. I'm the best vendor for it." I think up front, if you know, if you're if you're offering yourself to these two or three services is one thing. Where agents get into trouble is where they start to try to capture the additional business by referring it to themselves, in essence, as opposed to walking in saying, "Hey, the advantages." I do both, and as a result, you'll get better execution. Now the customer can choose to work with you or somebody else. But I think I've seen real estate agents, I think, somewhat dishonestly take both those positions. Um, yeah, I agree. There's there's some out there that, you know, yeah. and, and half the time, they I'll get the phone call saying that they completely uh, turned the entire state into a nightmare with the judge or with the court. Right. court. Right. So it's important to, you know, right. ensure that, you have cert, uh, certified people who are doing it or people who have been exposed to it. Right. Like I'm a certified estate specialist. Right. It took a long time to get there. Um, and somebody will come down around the corner who just got their uh, their real estate license. They'll they'll say the same thing. They'll get the business because they're willing to cut rates. And when they cut rates, of course, you're going to cut, you know, w- what else are you going to cut out? And I think we're, we're to your point, 
you know, you can take on the estate uh, sale stuff and create more problems if you don't handle stuff properly. Next thing you know, instead of just arguing over some bowls or China, now you have a, an heir who's going to hold up the probate and the whole thing becomes a big mess. And that's where you'd be careful. And that's why you want to bring in professionals. So, Matt, give me, okay, two things, Matt. I want to reach out to you and schedule you to be a guest and talk about auctions. But give us like a 30-second, with your accent, I want to hear what an auction sounds like. Can you, can you, you want to hear me? what an auctioneer sounds like? Yeah, can you give me like 30 seconds of it? Um, I might be able to give you a couple of, well, I'll give you about a couple of minutes of it. All right. How about a hundred dollar bid? hundred dollar bid now, hundred and a quarter, hundred a quarter now, half, 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 now, 75, five, five, now, 75, now, two hundred dollar bill, two hundred dollar bill, two, two, two and a quarter, two and a quarter now, half, 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 75, two, two, 75, now, three hundred dollar bill. And it's even Beautiful. better when it's bigger numbers like 275,000 and 300,000, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I love that. I, I do an auction for a, a nonprofit every year. We raise, I think, total is about $110,000, $130,000. I don't do that. I, 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 try to make, I, I uh, don't have that skill. So, um, but uh, I appreciate your, the professional approach. So thanks so much. I'm going to reach out to you, Matt. I'd love to maybe interview and go in detail about what you're doing. Okay, thanks. Okay, so I don't see any other questions. Dina, we're kind of wrapping up on the end here. I just want to, one, one last time, uh, if you want to get in t- contact with Dina about her business, organizingconceptsanddesigns.com, organizingconceptsanddesigns.com, and the phone number is 310-560-5060. Dina Braverman, Services Southern California and elsewhere uh, by agreement, so talk to her about that. Uh, Dean, I really enjoyed talking to you all the time. It was really a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being on our call today. Thank you for having me, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Anybody on this call, we're gonna, this is about 5 o'clock here Pacific time. In 30 minutes, I'm going to be at All Season Brewery, and we do a brew real estate event every first Thursday of the month. Uh, and if you're on this call and you mention it, I'm glad to buy you a free beer. It's on La Brea, just south of Wilshire. The old Firestone building got redone. So feel free to go there to All Season Brewing. Otherwise, we do... Um, Probate Weekly, every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We live stream it on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, you can watch past episodes at episodes.probateweekly.com, or you can register and come on uh, live as well. I'm Bill Grosso. I appreciate you guys. Again, Dina, thank you so much to everybody. Thank you for all those who contributed, Matt thank and Jack you. and everybody. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye.